We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. A special episode of Mavs Moneyball Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, here on the Mavs Moneyball Podcast Network. And it's a special episode because it is about halfway through the season, 43 games to be exact, so a little over halfway. And the Mavericks are sitting at fifth in the Western Conference in a season that has certainly had plenty of storylines to talk about and that's what I wanted to do today I wanted to get all the Mavs all the brain trust at Mavs Moneyball together and just talk about this season and the storylines and and where we're going forward from from Kristaps Porzingis arrival on the scene to Luka Doncic's MVP caliber season thus far uh to the recent developments with Dwight Powell tearing his Achilles and so on and so forth so I just wanted to get everyone together and have a good Mavs discussion and see where see where the Mavs are at, and see where they can go for the remainder of the season. So without further ado, uh, you will hear from Josh Bowe, you will hear from Doyle Raider, you will hear from Kirk Henderson, you will hear from all of your favorite Mavs Moneyball editors and writers, and let's just have fun with this, guys. So without further ado, here is the Mavs Moneyball Radio State of the Union podcast, halfway through the 2019-2020 season. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Mavs Moneyball Radio. This is Jeffrey Cooperstein. We are doing the State of the Union podcast here at Mavs Moneyball, and I'm pleased to be joined by Doyle Raider of MavsMoneyball.com. Doyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jeffrey. How are you? I am well. Uh, Doyle, you're at almost every Mavs home game, so you kind of have the pulse of the team and what's going on in the locker room and with, with coaches and whatnot, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on Boy Wonder, on Luka Doncic, who sits right now, if not number one, number two in the MVP race. He's taken the league by storm this year, doing stuff that a 20-year-old has just never done. So the first question I have is just how, how good has he been this season? He's been exceptional. I don't, I don't think that I or anyone thought that even just coming into the league, he was going to be anywhere near this good this quick. I, I thought, you know, he was going to be good. Like, that was a given. He's been a professional since, what, he was 13 or something like that? So I thought coming in, it'd be, you know, it'd be good. And it just takes some time. It hasn't taken much time. This season's pretty much proof of that. You know, to 
win Rookie of the Year and then be catapulted right into the MVP conversation. I mean, I don't know if he's in my top two, like you said, but he's definitely in my top three. And that's pretty remarkable for what he's doing. He's averaging almost a triple-double, and he just goes out there, and <laughs> he has fun playing the game. I mean, that's pretty apparent. And it's I don't know, like how many superlatives can I throw out throw out there for him? You know, <laughs> the the, like, the, ad- the adjectives you just run out of the adjectives to describe him with. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like he's 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 great to watch. Like he's fun. He's exciting. Like even when he's kind of like going through the motions on the court, you're bound to see something just wild happen. Like he can whip a pass, you know, from baseline to baseline to find someone set him up for an open three, or, or just like. You know, drive the lane, get an and one, or, you know, when he finally does hit a step-back jumper, it electrifies the crowd like nothing else I've seen in that arena since, you know, a certain German for a long time. Which brings me to my next question. Do you think that it's possible? I mean, I can't believe we're even talking about this in 2020 in his second season, but do you think it's possible that when Luka retires – that he's the greatest Maverick of all time ahead of Dirk? I can't even imagine that I'm asking that question, but I think it's a question that has to be asked at this point. Uh, I think it's a valid question. I, I wrote something, uh, not for Mouse Moneyball recently, but just kind of comparing the uh, the two and how they've kind of rejected superstardom to a point. I think Luke is a bit more flashier when it comes to his off-the-court activities than, than Dirk ever was, but he, he shies away from the spotlight, that's for sure. Um, but I think it's really going to be time will tell. Uh, like, will he play his whole career here? You know, that's 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 a valid question to ask, I think. It's also way too early to be really, like, getting into the nitty-gritty of that. I know it's like, I know, it, it's, it's out there, but he's still on his rookie contract greatest Maverick of all time? I mean, if he keeps playing like this, he there's a strong case to be made that he could do that. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a real possibility. So so as good as he's been, where where do you see some areas that he can improve in? I would really like to see him improve in kind of late game decision making. Like especially when it comes down to the clutch. Um, it, there's just been a few games this year where, you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands, but he'll take, like, uh, a step-back jumper that was kind of like a heat check from three, and it, those just those just haven't seemed to find the mark this year. And I think you could do a little bit better by trying to, you know, get in the paint, getting, you know, set up teammates that way. Like, he's, he's shown that he can do that, and, is willing as a willing and able passer to get other guys involved, or you know, or to get to the line. I'd like to see that. And if he's at the line, you know, making the free throws, I'd like to see that as well. Uh, I don't know. There's there's not a lot of room for you know just super nitpicking with him, but there's definitely some areas where he can just grow, if that makes sense, become a little bit better. I, I think that's the crazy thing about it is that people were trying, like his pre-draft days, people were trying to put a ceiling on him and saying he'll be good, but he may never be great, and he may, but he, but he'll be good right away. I think we've seen over his first 100, 110 games of his career that it's pretty clear that he's already great and can become even greater. No, absolutely. I, yeah, there's 
he is not anywhere close to his ceiling as far as I'm concerned. I I think we saw his floor, and it was being the rookie of the year. So that's even if he just put up his numbers from last season for the rest of his career, I mean, it, that may or may not be a Hall of Fame career right there. So, yeah, he, we haven't seen his ceiling. Not at all. All right, Doyle. Well, thanks for your time. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Mavs Moneyball State of the Union podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, here with Josh Bowe, one of the many editors at MavsMoneyBall.com. And Josh, we wanted to get to one of the most polarizing figures on the Mavericks, which is Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, we're 43 games into the season. Porzingis has missed 11, including uh, 10 before the game against the Clippers with right knee soreness. Uh, just first, first off, just give me your overall thoughts on Porzingis and how he's fit in so far with the Mavericks. I think it's been, obviously, it's been a little wonkier than I think many expected. Um, personally, I, I, I think I kind of drank the Kool-Aid a little bit during the summer and the, the preseason, and I was really expecting, you know, Kristaps to kind of light it up offensively. Like, I think in my preseason prediction post, I wrote that he would average over 25 a game and, and make a crap ton of three-pointers, and I, I really thought playing with Luca you know, that would just kind of unlock his game in ways that we haven't seen yet. And I really kind of put the cart before the horse and realized the process that I think that we got to go through with Kristaps. Like it's when you really think about it, he's really going through a lot this season. You know, he's, he's coming off going 20 months without playing in an NBA game, recovering from a really bad knee injury, especially for a guy his size, you know, the, the rehab that goes along with that. And he kind of having to teach his body, how to, to run and jump uh, in a different way to prevent further injuries. You know, he went through that. Then he's on a new team. He's learning a new system. And then he's playing a drastically different role than he did in New York as a kind of second option. You know, he's not the lead guy anymore, and he doesn't get to take all the shot, whatever shots he wants, whenever he wants, like he got to in New York. So when you add all that up, it really shouldn't be that surprising that we've seen him struggle as much as he has. So um at least offensively uh so i think you know this season i think has been just kind of a reset of expectations and you look at what gordon hayward went through his first year back from his really bad uh catastrophic uh you know leg injury and sometimes it takes guys a year to get to get back into shape and to, to kind of reacclimate. and uh so i think that's kind of what i'm now expecting this season i'm not expecting Kristaps to all of a sudden just a light switch flip on and him you know, go 40% from three for like 10 games. Uh, I'm just, it's just more kind of like slow and steady. And, and really, you know, when you look at the other aspects, like his defense, I've been really impressed. So, I mean, even with the, the kind of lowered expectations because of how he's shooting, I still think he's been, he's been huge for this team. I think it's been obvious when he missed those 10 games, uh, what they were really missing from him. I, I think the most important thing with Kristaps is that there, there have been virtually zero distractions with him and that he's he's fit in seamlessly in the locker room and especially with Luca we all thought they would fit well but I didn't think they would they would have gelled this well as teammates this early it seems like they really like each other and they want the best for each other as teammates so I think that's a pretty underrated underrated part of of why this team is pretty good right now is that the, the two stars on the team gel really well with each other yeah for sure they're on the same page they're on the same timeline uh I think you know both of them you know playing overseas and well, not overseas, but just playing in Europe and playing professionally in Europe. They both know Spanish. Like, you know, it's it's probably been 
it, it's been really easy for Luca to kind of to warm up to Kristaps, and I'm sure they've had they had some history. They played against each other before you know Luca even got to the NBA. So uh, I think that's huge, you know, considering there's just you know the cultural difference between uh, an American-born player growing up and going through the AU circuit and, and, and college and, and coming up, you know, knowing guys and kind of networking with, with, uh, with basketball talents in America, it's just different. You know, Luca wasn't here to, to do that. He didn't play, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that are playing with each other stars in the NBA, you know, they played with each other in the AU circuit and they formed those relationships. And Luca didn't have that opportunity to do that. He's had to kind of adjust to a new culture and everything. So yeah, it's been great. I think that's an underrated part of Kristaps of being here. Is I think he's really been good for Luca, and uh, he's just providing another voice and, and someone he can relate to in the locker room a little bit. And, you yeah, know, that's been good. So besides the obvious of him staying healthy and just being able to play games consistently, what are you looking for out of him uh, the remainder of the season and in the next four years that he, he's a Maverick and hopefully beyond that? Well, for the rest of this season, you know, I know you said it like outside of the health, but for me, it really is the health. Like I've kind of punted on the idea of him this season, you know, really regaining the form uh, from New York in terms of his shooting numbers. Like I, I would not be surprised if he still struggled with his shot to, to close the season or be inconsistent with it. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, going past that, I think year two, that's the big year, you know, playing a full season, getting used to to the NBA lifestyle again after 20 months off, learning a new system, getting comfortable in a new system, you know, doing different things that he didn't do in New York. So year two is where I would really, you know, hope for him to to kind of jump off the page and, and have his shooting numbers return to, to what we expected uh, before the injury. Uh, but for this season, I guess, you know, the one thing is I hope, you know, the open threes, that's like the one thing I'm like, man, maybe that's the one thing that we can can hope can improve. He's taking so many more threes than he ever did at any point in his career, and I think he's talked about how that's an adjustment and it's different. Um, so I think right before that knee injury, he had like two, like three or four games where he was, he was pretty good from three. So hopefully when he kind of gets back into shape after missing these 10 games, maybe he can pick up where he left off and – the Mavericks are they're gonna need it. And without Dwight Powell, I wonder if he is a little bit of a rim roller when he's in the pick and roll with Luca. That'll be interesting to see if they if they change that up at all. At all. Do, do you and think that's, that's something that, that he would succeed in in that sort of role? I'm not sure. I, he he was okay in it in New York. Like he, he did it more in New York. I mean the Mavericks really don't run a lot of as much pick and roll with with Kristaps as you would might might think. You know, it's really been a lot with Maxi and a lot with Dwight and Kristaps has been more of a spot up guy. Uh, so uh, I think he could succeed. You know, I don't know how much you want him rumbling down the lane, you know, because there's health concerns there. You know, the more he's in the paint, the more likely a chance he bangs knees or, or falls on someone or lands awkwardly. So I almost wonder if him being more of a spot up pick and pop guy is part of the easing him back into the game without worrying about injuries or further injuries. Um, but I, I think they could maybe lean on it a little bit more as long as he's healthy. Uh, you know, without Dwight, they really need that vertical spacing threat. And, you know, if you're playing Kristaps and Maxi at the same time, you know, Maxi has gotten pretty good at rolling, not as good as Dwight. But, you know, both those guys are kind of interchangeable in terms of spotting up and, and rim running. And I think it would be really interesting if the Mavericks would mix that up a little bit and maybe they can add a little – bit of unpredictability to their offense if you've got Maxine Kristaps on the floor at the same time 
you know, they can kind of interchange between rolling and spotting up. So that would be kind of a cool wrinkle, and I hope the Mavs, you know, look at that a little bit more the second half of this season. Awesome, Josh. Well, thanks for your time. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the State of the Union podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, here with Kirk Henderson of Mavs Moneyball Lore. He, you can hear him everywhere. You can hear him podcasting. You can read his writing on MavsMoneyBall.com. Kirk, thanks for joining me this evening. Absolutely. This will be fun. Absolutely. So like we said, we're just over halfway through the season at 43 games. And this is something I really wanted to talk with you about because I think you have some good insight on on what the reasons for this is. Why do you think the Mavs have won so many games this season, more than everyone has basically predicted? Well, it's a pair of things. The the first thing is is that the opening schedule was a little softer than I think everyone realized. And the second thing is the additional space that the Mavs offense now gives Luka Doncic now that they play basically a full five-out offense has resulted in him becoming an MVP candidate. It is one of these interesting things when you look back over the summer, what we had really hoped for. And when I say me, it was like primarily like Josh Bo and I kind of screaming into the void about how the Mavericks needed to like double and triple down on offense defenses for nerds. And we had hoped that they would do basically as much offensive basketball as possible. And what has resulted it, particularly with the, the spacing out past the three point line has really been more than, than I could have ever hoped for. I can't remember the offensive numbers at the moment, but they're, at times this season, their offense has been historically ranked. So it's, it's really impressive to see what they've done, uh, you know, in the first 40-ish games of the year. And I, for me, it's, I, I, just, I can't believe how good Luka has been so early in this career. I think we all expected him to be a very good player. I think we all expected him to even be an all-star, but I don't think at 20 years old we expected Luka to be number two at the very least in the MVP in the MVP race. And I think his his level of play has just really elevated this team and has has moved the the trajectory of where we thought this team would be, and they're, they're way ahead of schedule right now. Mm-hmm. And the pieces are what... It's so interesting. I know at some point during during this State of the Union podcast, we're going to talk about Dwight Powell. Not at the moment, though, but I do think it's worth you know mentioning how all these pieces have come together in a way that's much greater than their individual parts. Luca being an MVP candidate is really what ties it all together. But the fact that Porzingis, even though he's he's sort of struggling individually, 
uh, you know, Dwight Powell before he got hurt, um, the guard rotation. Dorian Finney-Smith is having a career year. You know, Tim Hardaway looks like, you know, he made a, a quip in the preseason about how he wanted to be the Michael Finley of the group. And when you compare kind of peak Finley numbers, just the, the raw numbers per 36 minutes, it's alarming how good he looks uh, uh, in comparison to Michael Finley. And, and these things are all just coming together or have thus far in a way that's been really, really fun. The Mavericks are basically must-watch television. And I haven't said that in like three or four years. Now, now, do you think that do you think the Mavericks are playing to what they are, or are they playing above their means right now? Because I've seen some conflicting opinions where some people think the Mavericks aren't aren't that good and they'll regress to what they should be, which is which is basically a borderline playoff team, and or they'll stay where they're at. I personally think it's somewhere in the middle. I don't know what the correct answer is. So, what do, where do you think the Mavs are playing right now, comparative to their level? I think they're shooting a little above their pay grade as a team, which is weird when we watch, you know, like Luka Doncic shoots, has these shooting nights where he's, you know, like one for 10 from the three-point line. But the the outside shooting is really, really interesting. And that's, I, I'm going to be curious to see if they can keep it up as a team. You know, like we mentioned Hardaway, we mentioned Finney Smith. Uh, the bench guys, you know, Seth Curry's kind of finally rounding out into shape a little bit. If they can keep shooting at a 36% clip and not kind of stumble down, uh, you know, two, two and a half percentage points. I can't remember where they ended up last year. But if if they can keep this up at any sort of pace, I don't see why they would fall that much. Um, I don't – I think they're essentially locked into a six-seater up unless they collapse, uh, primarily because the, the way the back half – of the um, Western Conference is sort of shaping out. And with, you know, 40-something games to go, they could play 500 basketball and still wind, uh, wind up with, uh, what would they have, 40? If, if they win another, you know, uh, 15 or 16 games, they could have north of, four, you know, 42, 43, 44 wins. And that's going to be more than enough to, to keep them in, in place for the Western Conference playoffs. So going forward, what do the Mavs have to do to maintain this level of play? Because like we've said, it's, it's must-watch TV at the moment, and they're just so fun to watch on offense. So what what do they have to do, especially in now that we know the absence of Dwight Powell, which we'll get to later in the podcast, but what do, what do they have to do to maintain this level of play in order to keep, keep the fans engaged and, more importantly, keep them in the thick of the playoff race? Well, to keep this pace, they're going to have to figure out how to patch that Dwight Powell hole. Uh, the on-off numbers with Powell are really interesting, and I'm not sure how much they matter big picture. Uh, but it's enough to where I'm curious to see how they're going to fill the space. You can't just plug and play with a Maxi or a Boban or a free agent off the street. So that's going to be a key factor that keeps them, you know, on the upward swing. Now, Luca and Porzingis and the, the team as a whole is so they're so well put together that I think they can sustain for a little while. I do think it puts a little bit of a, 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 a it dampens everybody's expectations for a potential like, oh, can we make it to the second round of the playoffs, that sort of thing. In terms of just sheer engagement, I'd be if I'm a Mavs fan, even in a casual sense, I'm tuning in as often as possible because this is really the best part of the of the team building um, experience because they're on an upward swing, and you know we don't. I, I recommend everybody kind of have middling expectations, and then you're going to end up excited if they go ahead and surprise you because. Next year, after another year, Luca's third year, things are going to start to get a little hotter in terms of what to expect from the Mavs. And right now, I just don't really have those expectations. So I'm enjoying the season. That's kind of what I recommend to everybody else. All righty, Kirk. Well, thanks for your time. We'll hear from you later in the podcast. 
Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the State of the Union Mavs Moneyball Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cooperstein, alongside Matt of MavsMoneyball.com. Matt, how are you doing this evening? I am doing pretty well, thanks. Awesome. We uh, we were discussing earlier, who is the most improved player outside of the obvious on Luka Doncic, who, for my money, should also win most improved player of the year in, a, in, in addition to being in the MVP race. Um, but outside of Luka, who do you have as the most improved player on the Mavericks? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, Luka does have a... I actually haven't thought about that, the most improved player. He should, should have a shot at that. But uh, outside of Luka, I think... I mean, there's clearly two for me, and that is Maxi Kleba and Doran Finney-Smith. Those, Both of those dudes have been having great years. You kind of were looking at the roster at the end of this year, and you're kind of looking for who the guy was going to be that was going to kind of step up and have a breakout year. Those, Both of them are playing pretty well. But I think um, between those two, I think for me, Dorian Finney-Smith. Tim Hardaway Jr. also having another good year. But yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith for me, I think, has been the non-Luka Mav who, is, who has had the most improvement since last year. Absolutely, I agree. And I think the main theme of all these role players is that everyone seems to gel really well with the two stars and Luca and Porzingis. And I'm, I, I think Finney Smith's skill set just really helps out Luca in ways that maybe we're not able to see. And in some ways, we are able to see with his elite uh, corner three point shooting percentage and his defense that kind of lets Luca maybe take some possessions off when he's doing or carrying so much of the load on offense. Yeah, I mean, Dorian as an as a undrafted free agent. You know, the way he made his way in the league, the reason he's, you know, the entire reason he's even in the league right now is his defense. So, um, in, in a time where it's very hard to be a defensive specialist, he kind of, kind of stuck around the Mavs and, you know, he's been working hard. And um, we've all kind of been waiting, you know, these past couple of years, hoping that, you know, he was going to start developing this shot. It was kind of, you know, his, his whole career has kind of been around 30% from three. So you maybe see a little something, maybe if he, you know, can break through. And then this year has really been kind of a breakthrough year. And I think one of the best things about it too is that he's on a mega value contract at four. Uh, it's four years and twelve million, or it's three years and twelve million. Excuse me, making four million a year. And I mean, yeah. you you don't find better value than that anywhere around the NBA, pretty much. I mean, he gave the Mavs a pretty good hometown discount, and it's going to help them in the long run. Oh, that's almost absurd with with some of the other contracts you see. I, I I'm sure there is a way to like production per dollar. I, I would not be surprised if he was in the upper echelon of the league in terms of, of what he produces for 4 million. That's, that's nothing. That's less than, you know, a rookie makes on, on a rookie contract. So looking ahead to the remaining 39 games of the season, what are you looking for out of him and and the rest of the role players specifically, just to keep this train rolling and keep the Mavs in a playoff contending spot in the West? Yeah. So Dwight, obviously going down, that's, that's a bit of a, a, you know, a, a knock in terms of our depth there, but still, yeah, everyone plays really well. So uh, for Finney Smith specifically, um, he's going to continue to keep drawing those, you know, defensive matchups. He's probably going to be, you know, his 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 role is to pretty much guard the the toughest matchup on the other team every night, night in and night out. So as long as he can keep up with that um, while contributing, um, hitting hitting down open looks, I, I, it's it's hard to to envision. You know, it feels almost greedy to like ask for more from Dorian Finney-Smith. I feel like what we're seeing right now from Dorian Finney-Smith is like the the exact thing that I would want to see from him. Um, and he's he's coming. It's almost 27, so and got him on contract for the next few years. If he could just be this a 37 to 40 percent three-point shooter and you know a, a positive defender for the next three years on that kind of a contract, that would be phenomenal. So um, going through the rest of this year, I, I would I hope. You know, fingers crossed, knocked on wood, whatever you got to do that, you know, no more, no more health scares. And, 
Him and and Maxi, I, I both both of them. I think if they can just kind of maintain, do what they're doing, that would be extremely beneficial. And I I mentioned this with Doyle Rader as well. It seems like Finney Smith is almost the most beloved player of Rick Carlisle on the coaching staff. I mean, he's playing the most minutes every night on the team, defending the other team's best player, and also being a productive offensive player. So I think he's really endeared himself to the coaching staff, and it it's something that can't go unnoticed. Yeah, I think probably outside of Dwight Powell, maybe Dorian is is one of those guys Rick just has taken a shine to, and that has shown, especially this year. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, you know, he's he's been he started forty of the forty three games he's played in. So, um, you know, the, I think the team kind of views him the same way as kind of a player who has really stepped up and earned that spot to basically be a, a full time starter now. Maxi, you might see starting to get some some starts now that he's kind of the uh, going to be stepping into that Dwight Powell role but yeah from from the get-go I think Dorian has carved out a place in this league and especially this year as a starter um phenomenal player always you know teammates have nothing bad to say about him low-key guy soft-spoken guy but just plays really hard offensive rebounds there's no one better on the team than than uh Smith I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.